0: Hey, uh, if you saw the notes on, on Facebook at all, uh, I mentioned that Rhiannon will be sharing tonight uh, about unsung heroes. And the Lord prompted me to just to ask her if she would share um, about a woman in the Bible that we would never, we've never seen that God could ever use. Uh, our whole series of unsung heroes has been going on for the last seven weeks. This is our eighth week. And uh, and Lord just said, hey, why don't you ask Rhiannon if she'll come and share about a woman in the Bible of unsung heroes. And so um, I've known Rihanna for for eleven years, yeah, something like that, and uh, watched her go through her own journey. And I won't I won't spoil any of that for her, but um, just just has grown into this amazing woman of God, an amazing wife, an amazing um, mom, and sister, and friend, and daughter. I mean, just she's really just a, a great woman of God. And now, the stuff that she's taken and learned and has been mentored in, she's now pouring into other women. Uh, and that's just exactly what God wants us to do. Just take what you have and give it away and reproduce me and others. So I want you guys to stand and put your hands together and honor Rhiannon tonight. Thank you for doing that. (laughs) Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Bless you, too.
1: Hi, this is not awkward at all. Um, So... um, so when Lonnie first asked me, he asked me last week if I wanted to speak, and I was like, I sent him a picture of an emoji face, like, freaking out. He's like, I don't know what that means. I was like, I'm just panicking. Um, and then he said he wanted a woman's perspective on a woman in the, in the Bible, uh, unsung hero, and my first thought was Rahab, and, um, which is funny. Because, I mean, a lot of people... You could think of Esther and Ruth and Mary, and um, they've just done some amazing things. They've changed the course of a nation, um, saved their people, birth the Savior, like some really big, um, big things. Um, I'm sorry, I'm going to look at my notes because I <laughs> don't normally do this. Um, <clears throat> so, And so I think the reason for me it spoke to me is... Um, The Lord has done so much in my life. So I can relate very much to Rahab, which is kind of funny, because in the Bible she is known as a harlot. She is said, Rahab, the prostitute. Um, She was probably an adulteress, I'm sure. Like she, um, this is how she was known and identified. And um, so if you don't know my story, I mean, not everybody does, but I had, I walked through a lot of stuff. So, like, the, I love how you can see a person and you judge where they're at. Like, oh, they must have it all together, or they don't know what I'm going through. And really, until you know someone's story, you don't understand what God has really done in their life, um, and, and and the road they've walked. Um, I ran from church. I ran from anything for a very long time, And um, but God continued to pursue me, and... Um, it was a long road of bad relationships, uh, drinking, depression, anxiety, health issues, um, eating disorder for a really long time, and um, I was a slave to those things. I And I didn't know how to get out. Um, but again, God is so graceful in pursuing his children that um, he was just always there. And so I feel like I can really relate to her because like this was how she was known, this is where she was in that point. So I saw myself in that dark place. And, um, but that's not where her story ended. And I love that the Lord uses um, us in those places for like a great story of redemption. Um, so let's see. Um, okay, so, with, so to understand where we're at, in Joshua 1, Moses had already died and Joshua is now taking over. Um, he was being prepared to take over the Promised Land and the next thing they had to do was cross the Jordan into, um, take down Jericho, which is filled with the Canaanites. Um, they worship Baal, which was, known as like a storm god or rain, something like that. Um, and probably Asherah, they were related together, she was known as the god of the earth and fertility. So when they worshiped them together, they believed the rain would fertilize the land and they would be fruitful that way. Um, their practices included magic and sorcery, possibly child sacrifice, um, sex with sacred prostitutes, and overall sexual immorality was a lot of what we've seen, which we've seen before in Sodom and Gomorrah and, and a lot of these um, cultures. <clears throat> and because of the, this idolatry in Joshua sorry, 6.17, it uh, says, The city and all that is in it are to be bo- devoted to the Lord. So that meant killed, destroyed, you take nothing. Um, The only thing that they were allowed to take was the silver, gold, bronze, and that was to be put in the treasury for the Lord. Um, So everyone was set to be executed, basically. Um, So this is where Rahab lived. This was her probably upbringing, what she knew. She was a part of that. Um, So she didn't really have a lot going for her at that point, I feel like. You, this is what you know, and I feel like we grow up in a place where this is what I've known my whole life. how do you change that? and really until there's that pivotal point of the Lord coming in and um, whether it's somebody speaking a word of truth to you or life or um, and that's what we're called to do is to be that light and I really believe that's what the spies did um, when they when they came to her so who she was so she so we have a city full of blatant sin right have probably she fit right in. Um, She may have chose to be a prostitute. Maybe um, that was all she knew growing up. Um, It doesn't say that she was an orphan because it it says that she asked for her family to be spared, but she wasn't living with her family. So typically that's not normal unless you're married um, for the woman to be living by herself. So this may have just been a decision she made. Maybe she was outcast. Um, We don't really know. And... um, but who she was, it was very clear. So Joshua 2 um, states that Joshua send, sends two spies into to look over the land and said, so they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab rehab and stayed there. So no confusion, that's who she was. That was her identity, that's how she was known, that's how she was perceived, that's how she saw herself, I'm sure. Um, she wasn't a saint, she wasn't Esther, where she had this understory and she was orphaned and this is pretty blatant of of where she was. Um, she had a lot to overcome, and that's again why I really love her story. Um, I feel like we we all have something that we've grown up with or that we've known that we have to overcome, and that's when the bigger it is, the bigger our God is that can do that. And um, <clears throat> and it's hard, especially when you're in a place where it's hard to change or in a place where everyone knows you, you've always been the same. Um, so how can I not be a prostitute? Everyone knows I'm a prostitute. They're not going to receive me any differently. They don't respect me any differently. It's um, so like sometimes the hardest place to change is the place with your family. When you try to change with your family, they're like, why are you being different? Um, but that doesn't mean it's not possible. It's just, it is very hard. And um, so, so then now where she was herself, you know, she wasn't living with her family. so. Um, we see uh, verse 15, that the house she lived in was part of the city wall. Um, so there's the wall around Jericho. Her house is butted up against that and there was houses, They think I don't know, sometimes they say there's houses that were already built there and they built the wall to fortify it with the homes that were there. Um, my first thought was access for her. Um, she's a businesswoman. Um, access for the men that are coming and going out of Jericho. There's, I'm sure, a lot of traveling merchants that were coming through. Um, it even talks about how she you know she let the spies out of her window through the wall, and I'm, I wouldn't be surprised that she'd used that before, like people that were married or didn't want to be seen. Um, and But it's interesting because that placement also, also allowed her to, to help the spies. Like the Lord still used that um, to, to, she was in a place. To to be used. I, I I don't. There's not a good way. <laughs> My words aren't working. I'm sorry. Um, the Lord can use what we have set up incorrectly and still use it for His glory. He can still um, redeem that. He's redeeming even just where she was. Um, and so again, maybe, and maybe that's why the spies chose her. Because it doesn't say why; it just says they entered the city and went to her house. Um, and you're thinking these godly men are at a prostitute's house—that makes sense. But again, she has easy access; she's in the wall. She—they um, may have thought it'd been easy to be missed. Why would anybody think anything of a couple of guys going to the prostitute's house? Like that's normal. Um, so, and again, I don't know. I'm just um, thinking of where her placement was, where her access was. Um, you know, I'm sure the Lord led them there because he knew there was someone there that that wanted more. Like, he knows our heart. No matter, despite what your living situation is, where how you are acting out, what your um, actions are, he knows our heart. Um, and so he knew there was something more to her and that he was going to use her. Um, so, and then, okay, so if we look at those two things, who she was at that time when we meet her and where she was. She's in Jericho. She's ball worship, I'm sure. Um, she's a prostitute. So she doesn't have anything going for her. Um, and those two things, who we see ourselves are at, at, at whatever point we're at and where we are, uh, cripple most people. Um, she was brought up in a paganistic society. Her family probably all worshiped Baal. Um, prostitution could have been one of her only options. Um, and it's easy to to say, well, what else am I supposed to do? This is all I know. Why would I do anything else? We um, blame our upbringing or how we were raised for the choices we later make. We use our circumstances as a crutch uh, or an excuse for our actions. Well, well my parent was... An alcoholic or you know my dad was absent or um, my spouse died or my child got sick or all these things and they're very true it doesn't make them not true and it doesn't make them not hurt um, but it we we can choose to stay there and um, for her I mean really it looks you say well we don't don't expect much more from you this is all you know this is all you have so really you're probably doing the best you can um, but that's not how God views us or um, the plans he has for us, no matter where we're at. Um, And I can identify with her, you know, just not in the specifics, and I think we can all relate to those places, though, of um, things falling apart. And then you can continue to follow that path. Um, I mean, I I was raised in church, but my home life was a mess. My parents tried for 20 years to make the marriage work, and it didn't. Um, And in the midst of that, I... Lot just really didn't see the Lord and was never fully close to the church to really go that way, so I went the other way um, and tried to fill the void of all the things a girl needs um, in every wrong place um, and again, I could say there's a season where you know well, my parents' marriage was a mess, and my dad was critical and I X Y and Z, but there also came a point in knowing um, I started eating sort of for a great majority of my life, and I remember at one point talking to my mom, and and saying, I know no one's making me do this. Like I can't blame you for the decisions I'm making. Um, You know, as a little kid, yes, that there's those influences, um, but really, really being able to recognize I'm the only one that is. That has chosen the path that I've taken um, and it's hard because when you get there then you know it's a good place because you know I'm the only one that can change that with the help of the Lord but until we know that nothing's going to change anyways um, but sometimes we stay there because it's familiar this is comfortable I remember for me with having to um, and the eating store was a big thing for me because that was very much identity um, um, Saying, oh, I know I don't want this anymore, and I have no clue how to get to the other side. I don't know what the other side looks like, and that's scary. I have no clue because for the greater majority of my life, I didn't know healthy. I didn't. Know, I didn't have a very high self worth of opinion of myself, um, and that can cripple us. This is all I've known. This is all I've ever done. I've always been an alcoholic. I've always been depressed. Like I don't. This is not free, but it's comfortable. But it's familiar. But it's what I know, and we, we will almost cling to that sometimes because of the, the fear of the unknown. Um, but I love that Rahab, when she's presented with the opportunity, she jumps at it. And um, because she could have, um, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. No, I think my words will be. Like she, she could have turned in the spies when she saw when she, she came across them. She probably would have been rewarded because they were on high alert. That we, they knew where the Israelites were camped. They knew that they were coming to attack, and they knew that all that they had done up until this point, moving that way, um, she could have played it safe. Like I am going to protect myself. We are very, very much into self-protection, um, self-defense of ourselves. Um, Because, because to do anything other than to turn in the spies, because they came to her, they somehow knew immediately that they were there. And um, if she'd been caught, she would have been immediately executed, because that would have been treason. They're in war season. This is you're harboring spies. They would have killed the spies, and they would have killed her. So she's risking her life, um, and that's that was a huge risk. And that's where I feel like she took a point of, I can stay safe, I can stay comfortable, I can stay familiar, or I can take that big risk because I want more. Um, And that's, like, that's faith. Like, that's, there's so much more. To to take a big risk like that, we don't risk big in a lot of things in our day, I feel like. I'm going to play it safe, I'm going to be comfortable, I'm going to do what I know, I'm going to stay in the places I know, with the people I know, doing the things I like to do. Um, But she... I feel like there had to be a stirring in her heart of this may be my only opportunity. Um, she probably didn't understand it because, again, she was raised in this paganistic culture. Um, she was a prostitute. She probably figured, why, why is there really more for me? These had to be questions. Um, but she was still willing to risk things. She was willing to give up her comfort for freedom that she didn't even know for sure would be there. Um, I myself ran from a lot of those opportunities when I I would hit rock bottom and the Lord was there and, nope, I'm going to try one more time by myself. Um, And I did that a lot of times. And we do that. Nope, I got this. I'm still in control. I um, am still very comfortable in my mess. Um, We fear the unknown, losing control that we don't have anyway. Um, But again, God is always there ready with more grace and ready to say, sure, when you're ready. Um, and, it, and and so here, this is where I love, this is where I see why she risked big and was willing to risk her life. Um, so, Joshua uh, 2, 9-11, through 11, she says, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. And just that first sentence, she says, I know. In the Hebrew, that means yada, which um, means, to you know, to perceive and see, to acknowledge, recognize, admit, or confess. Um, this, for her, was, I believe, a declaration of faith. Like, I believe in your God. Like, right there. Like, it says, believe, say that you believe, you're saved. And um, I believe that the Lord has given me the plan. It's done and at this point i feel like she probably had more faith in that than the israelites did because they were coming to spy they were coming to scout it out again what does it look like um and she's like oh no i know like you guys are going to destroy it um <laughs> and so that had to be encouraging for them i feel like
0: um
1: she was on to say we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God of heaven above and on the earth below. And like that one paragraph right there, I feel like is huge because now she's acknowledged your God is the God. I believe... And I know what he will do. I feel like half the time as Christians, we can't even say that half the time. Like, is he your God? Well, yeah. Is he going to heal you? I'm not sure about that. Not sure if I believe in the things he's done. Even though we've heard of the things he's done. She's just heard, and she's like, I know I believe, and I know. And that whole statement is, is faith. That's belief. Um, for one, the Canaanites um, only believed that their God had influence over one arena. So like Baal, he had influence over the rain, or I don't know exactly, sorry. Um, so they, they could be over the water, or fertility, or the stars. They only had one arena. Um, they were not over heaven and earth. That was not possible. Um, so that would have been a huge mind shift for her, growing up your whole life and then saying, no, this is, you, you are the creator of all. This is yours is huge. Um, so to, for her to believe this meant that she was starting to grasp the fullness of who Israel's God was, and now she has acknowledged and confessed that he's the God of all, um, which is just amazing to me because I feel like it, for her, um, she had just heard of what he did. She didn't see it. She wasn't there. Like all the Israelites, every time that they were released from Egypt, and then the Red seeds were parted, and they're like, well, God's not going to save us now. We only have manna, and this sucks. Like they were actually there and saw it, and they still would complain. And she was like, I've only heard whispers of what your God has done, and I know this land is yours. Um, and she probably, my <laughs> guess is she's probably heard about what um, Israel's God has done from her clients coming through, the talk on the street there. Um, and I, so I'm trying to imagine, like, okay, you're a prostitute, got all these guys coming through, and they're talking about what Israel's God has done. Now they just destroyed another king, and they just destroyed this other city. And as a, I'm trying to think, as a, this girl, that she, she has hope, and it has to be stirring her, that, like, well, maybe... Maybe he could be my God. Like, maybe he would save me. Like, maybe maybe there's more. Maybe he would fight on my behalf. Like, and for her, this has to be completely unfathomable because that's not possible. This isn't her God. This isn't her life. She's not an Israelite. Um, you know, was that even possible? But I feel like she had such hope for more that she was willing to, again, risk for that. Dream of it. And I feel like sometimes we don't let ourselves dream and that is, that's my issue. I was, I'm a very practical person. And when I met my husband, he'd be like, oh, let's, he wanted to dream big. So like, if we had $10 million, I'm thinking, and he goes on with his long story, and I'm thinking, okay, if we get a thousand dollars, this is more rational of where my brain goes, and it's just realistic. But he's really helped me. Of course, I'm really realistic, but he's helped me to. Well, why can't you just dream big? And my mind was, well, it's probably never going to happen. Why would I? Why would I dream for something that's not, not going to happen? And he's like, but why can't it happen? And why not allow yourself to dream? And for her, it was probably the same thing. This is totally unrealistic. We're basically set to die. Israel's is co- killed. God has killed everyone before them. He's going to kill us too. But she had hope. And I love that. Um, Okay, so... And she gave the spies all the info they needed, which I thought was actually pretty good because she had to just basically set them up to be like, oh, we're we're good. Like, we've got this. Everyone's terrified. So she's uh, pretty cool that way. She would have like held out and been like, "Well, if you help me," um, but the stories that she heard brought life to her heart, and that's what we're supposed to be like. Our stories, our lives, our testimonies of what God has done is what is supposed to. It should stir the curiosity of the people around us. It should encourage those around us that man if he can heal you from that like if you walked out of that and you're here like wow like he's got to be able to do something for me um and like if this guy cares for you he fights for you he heals you he wouldn't he do the same for me and it's like that's really what her heart was like I want to be on that team (laughs) like I want to be where you are um and we should have people saying that of us like I don't know what you have, but I want that because I want the freedom that you have, and I don't know what that looks like, and I don't know how you got there, and I, it's not going to be the same for me, obviously, but but how do I get that? It should stir people just to see the Jesus in us of what we've overcome. And that's why our testimonies are so important, and I think it's so powerful. I loved when we did that. Um, we had all the ladies share their testimonies because you can get a glimpse that look at somebody and go, oh, like, yeah, she has it all together. Like, we don't have anything in common or, you know. She always looks great, head to toe, nailed it on point. And then you hear their testimony. It's like, you walked through what? God did what? And to really be able to connect with the heart of someone and know, like, wow, God is so good and He loves us so much, and He brought you out of so much. And it encourages, it encourages me. It encourages me to share mine, and I love hearing other people's testimonies. And that's what we should testimony should do and we should not be afraid to share that um, because I feel like we want to cover the dark places. Well, I was a prostitute. We don't really want to talk about that. Let's just talk about where I'm at now. Well, no. Okay. You got free out of something. You're going to bring freedom to a lot of other women. Like that's, I believe, is, is her character of what she's carried because throughout the entire Bible, anytime she's mentioned, it is Rahab the prostitute. Rahab the prostitute, even after they're talking about how great she is, Rahab the prostitute, like she she didn't really live it down, but I feel like when you contrast that with where she ends up, that just shows the greatness of God in that. Um, um, So she says, I believe, you you guys will win, this is your land, it's a fact in her eyes, she believes it so thoroughly that she's, really, she's willing to risk her life, and yet she's bold enough to present a request to the spies to spare her family. So she's not only like, I believe, but now she's bold. Like, I'm not just going to ask you to spare my life. I need you to spare my family. And again, we don't even know why she's not living with her family, but she still is going to fight for them. Um, <clears throat> Joshua 2.12.13. Uh, now then please swear to me, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I've shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Um, so she knows that death is imminent and she wants out. Um, so they make an agreement only binding on um, if she doesn't disclose what what they've discussed, um, all of her family has to be in her home when they come. Says so anyone out in the streets at that time, they're not responsible for it. Um, And that she tie a scarlet cord in her window. <laughs> so she agrees. She lets them down. She, ta- she even tells them how to evade capture, which way to go. She sent the, like, she is really, like, if they didn't trust her, I feel like, man, she's setting them up for it. Like, you can trust me. I am, I'm in this. Um, she sent the, well, the guards went to where they knew the Israelites were in camps. She sets them in the opposite direction and says, "Stay there for three days." Um, so she helps them escape. Now, I've read this part a million times. You know, she tied the scarlet cord. Da da da. It's great. Um, I figured she just—that was maybe she had the cord there and they like just tie it so we know which one's your home. But in the Bible, there's meaning to everything. Um, so in the Bible, the color red or scarlet represents blood. So life, covenant, um, or redemption. And so as we know, you know, they would sacrifice the bulls and the rams, and their blood was seen as atonement for their sins. Um, This directly mimics the Passover. Um, When they were in Egypt, the blood was put on the doorpost, and it it signified a covenant with God that I'm one of your people. Pass over us. Have mercy. and and then again, obviously, with Christ Christ Himself. His blood covered us and um, gave us mercy when well, we deserved judgment. He took that. Um, his blood was our redemption. So this cord represents her um, allegiance. I believe. You know, like I'm on your team. You know, like you play flag football. Which colored flag do you have? I'm on your team. Um, it was an outward statement, though. So it wasn't just oh inside I've said the prayer and this is who I am. No, she was like it's a public announcement really. It's hanging in her window now. Nobody else knows what that means, but you don't know. They're on high alert. They could have questioned. They could have come back. Many things could have happened. Um, I also believe it was an outward sign of hope for her. Like this is my hope. Um, To picture like it's like a she's waving a red flag, not not a white flag and surrender, but a red flag of here I am. This is my hope. I'm in covenant with the Holy One. Like, pass over me. Have mercy. Um, And such a profound and small act, but an outward reflection of the inward conversion conversion, um, that I believe she had in that day. Um, You know, could have been all the stories that she heard up until that point were the seeds that were planted of this God and her dreams that were being stirred for more. And in that moment, no, I know that this is who I am who my God is, and, you know, again, taking the risk to make that outward declaration. I feel like, you know, how many of us, like, if you're, when you're out places, if we had to wear something that said, you know, um, Christian, or, you know, whatever, like, and especially now, nowadays, that's that's uh, not as easy as it might have been before, or not easy, but you get flack for that you know and so that was kind of what she was doing this is who I am am siding with now Um, and so I believe at this point she has gone from prostitute to daughter like there has been a a shift even in her own mind I believe even if she fully doesn't understand it yet and fully um, doesn't know what that means um, she's put all her hope in God it's all or nothing because either they save her or she's going to she's going to die with the entire city anyways. Um, <laughs> but so then, so then I was thinking about it, I'm like, okay, so she helped the, the spies escape, she puts a cord in her window, then they come save her. No, because that was like six chapters later that they come, they spent three days in the hills hiding before they ever went back to the camp, then it was like another, I don't know, week or so, They walked, all, this, all this stuff. She's just waiting with a cord in her window, like, I'm thinking, like, okay, you're going to come back tomorrow and save us, no, um, that was a long wait, I feel like, of, are they going to keep up their end of the bargain, like, what if they find out that I helped them, like, should I, was this a good idea, like, the doubt that sets in as we wait, in the waiting, of waiting and waiting on the Lord, um, you know, that's when the enemy loves to come in, and we question ourselves, and we question God, and we question what we believe, and, because it's not happening in our timing, or it's taking too long, and, um, the fear that that creeps in. Um, so you know, to keep her faith in that time too had to be like a fight. I don't know. Um, so let's see. Okay, so it goes on and then Joshua six seventeen says, The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who who are with her are to be spared because she had hid the spies to be sent. So now they've come, and they've said, okay, we're destroying everything. Only that house with the red cord, and anyone who's in the house is saved. Which, at that time, is a huge thing for the spies to have done, because the Lord had declared, God had, you know, had declared, this city is destroyed. Like, There's no exception. Um, but they had grace. And that's huge, because she was set, she was set for death. Um, and so she just went from death sentence to pardon. And um, so they brought them all out. Uh, verse 24 to 25 says, Then they burned the whole city and everything in it. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her. Because she hid the men Joshua had sent spies to Jericho, and she lives among the Israelites to this day. So not only did she receive a pardon, but then she was brought into their camp. Not immediately. First she was outside of their camp. Um, but she was brought in. So then Now she is one of them. So... She was not only physically removed, but I believe she was symbolically brought out of her place of sin and now into her place of freedom, of healing, of a, a new start that we always thought, I just want to start over. And she was physically brought from death to life um, because, of, because of her faith. And then her faith that she actually... Because you can believe it. She could have known, like, I know your God is going to take this land. I'm not going to do anything about it because that's too scary, that's too big of a risk, and I could die. Well, really, she probably figured I was going to die either way, so I might as well take the risk. But sometimes we don't do that because we are so scared. Um, and I can only imagine coming out of that and seeing that they they burned her entire city and everyone she knew and in the the awe she must have felt to go, I just, I just missed that. Like, that's where I should have been. And I'm sure she might felt like, really, do I deserve to be here from who I was? Was I any different than them? Um, um, oh, sorry, just lost where I was. Um, So this, like, just to take this short amount of what happened, and she has now become so introduced to Rahab the prostitute. And then we go, and now she's spoken of and mentioned among great men of faith in the Bible. So not just mentioned among people. She is one of the only, she's, besides Sarah in Hebrew 1131, she is the only woman that is mentioned for her great faith. So she has now talked about with Noah and Moses and Isaac and Abraham and Abel and Enoch, who didn't even die. He was just taken. Like, And, 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 and then there's Rahab the prostitute. So, and that's how she's mentioned. <laughs> Hebrew 1131, by faith the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. So she's still known for who she was, but, but it's, they're saying because of her faith, like, you're just mentioned with men. And they, you know, as we know, they don't mention a lot of women unless it's really important. And so here's a prostitute. And now she is known for her great faith. Um, James 2:24 to 25 says, You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them in a different direction? Um, so she went from being a heartlet to known as righteous. Like, that's a huge shift. Um, <coughs> righteous meaning virtuous, morally right or justifiable, decent, upstanding, free from guilt or sin. Like, your slate has been wiped clean. And you are no longer seen that way, even though they talk about her that way. But I think, too, it, it, it's a contrast to say she was a prostitute and she is righteous. To show, like, this is who you were, but this is, how you, this is how God sees you and this is who you are. Because we can go from, well, I was an alcoholic, but I am actually holy. I was a cheater. Now I'm not. Like, any of those things. That's where, like, it's so important to share where you were and what you've walked through because that's where the freedom comes. Because if we don't acknowledge that point, then we've just dismissed everything God has done to get us to this point. And like, oh, I'm good because this is just who I am. Well, that's for crap <laughs> because <laughs> that's just not true. And anybody that knows me knows that's not true either. So it's you're taking away from what God has done and saying, oh, I, I – I, like, she could have been like, oh, I'm, a, I'm an Israelite now and never – talked about any of that again no what God did was so huge and life transforming that now she is known as righteous free from sin um, and she has faith but she it's like in James it says a uh, person is justified by what he does not by faith alone but what what actions do we put that I can believe God is all the things the Bible says, but am I going to walk in that? Am I going to choose to believe it in my actions, in the way I treat people around me, the way I see myself, the way I, um, everything, it, it affects every area in your life. And if it doesn't, then you're not taking your faith and doing what we're called to do with that. And that's where she did that. Um, and again, that was a big risk. Just thinking of the risk she took, like she risked her life. Um, it's like, how often are we willing to do that um, if we don't know that there's, like, why well, know that, you know, we can risk, but why well, I know I have a safety net here and it'll be okay, and da, da, da. She had nothing. She made an agreement, but the spies could have been like, oh, sorry, we can't keep up our end, they could have just kill them anyways. Like, she didn't know. But she knew what she heard of God, their God, and she had hope for more. Um, so God used this prostitute young girl who was um, certain for death, and she became the key piece in not only helping the Israelites, but now she has saved her entire family. So she is not just, you know, oh, I saved myself. Because she could have just stopped there. Because, you know, she wasn't living with her family. Maybe they weren't, I don't know, talking. I, I don't know. Um, but, you know, she went beyond that to save every person in my line. as She just changed their entire trajectory. So now she has just changed the heritage for the rest of the people that in her family, um, and because of that, she goes on to now be in the genealogy of Christ. She marries Sam Salmon, um, who is believed to be one of the spies that she helps, um, and they, she becomes the mother of Boaz. So now in Matthew 1:5, she is listed as in the genealogy of Christ. There's Rahab the prostitute. I think that's probably the only time that she wasn't listed as Rahab the prostitute. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But, I mean, can you imagine? So it lists her kids and who they have and where they go, and boom, there's Jesus. Like, you're now an ancestor of the Savior. You were a prostitute, and you're over here. Um, Because she chose to believe, and she chose to then act on her faith. Um, I love it because God didn't look at her and see a prostitute. He saw who he had created her to be. He saw her, his daughter created in his image. Um, and he called her to more. He continues to give us the opportunities to, um, to be more, to do more, to um, continue to know him more. And, you know, he didn't look at her and say, oh, I'm not going to use you. Like, you're not, you don't have your crap together. Um, he would never use any of us because none of us have our crap together. <laughs> Um, but I love it because where she was, she could have been like, "This is," and a lot of us have been there. Well, this is where I'm at. This is just my life. But for God, this, our story is never done. He's never done with us. He's always pursuing us to to, to fulfill what He's called us to do. Um, and then he's, he's always waiting there with more and more grace for when we fall and, and choose not to walk that way. Um, one more opportunity to, okay, here's my hand out again. Would you like to come? Um, And he doesn't identify, you know, that's how she saw herself. That's how she was seen by everyone around her. And God said, no, but you're my daughter, and I have greatness for you. And that's what he has for all of us, if we would stop and allow ourselves to see that. We get so stuck, I feel like, um, this is who I am. This is my, you know, I've always struggled with depression. I I did, I struggled with depression for a long time. I guess it's just where I'm going to be, like, you know, and God's like, no. No. I don't see you that way. This is where you're at at this moment, but I've created you for greatness and you're my daughter. You're not depressed. You're not an alcoholic. You're not all these things. You're a daughter. You're a son. So he calls us up to be more if we're willing to take the risk of what he's asking us to sacrifice. And for her, that was her life. She was sacrificed her life. For us, there's different things. It's our comfort. It's our pride. It's our um, thought of control. It's all the little things sometimes that we're so petty about. Well, I don't want to give up, you know, my new car or to do whatever our comfort go on a missions trip i don't really like that food like he's calling us to so much more and he doesn't see us how we see us and sometimes and that's i believe where we get stuck how we see ourselves and how we think how we think others see us as well despite what they do or don't think when really we need to be focused on what does god think of us and what is he calling us to do um he never gave up on rahab and I feel like because of that and because she chose to risk big and put action to her faith, she saved her entire family. And now how she is known, what she probably did with her life from that point, will always be known for her great faith. She changed an entire generation of her siblings, her parents. Now what they chose to do at that point, I, I don't know, but now they're in that culture. So they are set up for, you have, you grace for god's mercy for love um and we don't realize too the thing she could have just thought of herself well i don't want to, if they find out i'm going to be killed it wasn't just about her she just saved her entire family and the decisions we make um don't just affect us they affect our spouses and our children and our parents and our siblings and in our our work environment our um Every every sphere that we have influence in is, it's not. I'm choosing to um, stay where it's comfortable for me. You're you're not allowing God to do what He what He has for that place. Not that He won't get it done, but you're not just inhibiting yourself. You're holding back from your home, from your workplace, from your school, um, and. Yeah, so I I love her because she she jumps on the opportunity, and I feel like we get that. And she was probably very desperate. She had nothing else. It's this or I die, and it's this and I die, or this and I don't, and I die anyways. Um, and sometimes we're not desperate enough. I've you know talked to different girls um, counseling through different things. Well, I don't know how to get there. Da, 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 what do I do? I don't know. You, or, well, I'm good. Okay. You're not desperate. You're not so needing Jesus that there is nothing that you won't sacrifice to get beyond this point. And I know that because I was that person. I was stuck and holding on to all my addictions, all my things. I didn't know what else to do. Um, I believe I had to get my stuff together so then Jesus could help me. Or well, I don't even know how that works. I had to do the work, and then Jesus would love me. Um, but I had to get to the point of and I did, I went to a very dark place to say Jesus you either save me and free me from this or let me die Like I need it so bad that there is nothing I won't do and sometimes we're not at that place yet and I believe she was and um, we don't have to be at that place I think sometimes we go there ourselves because we're not ready to let go Um, so I just want to encourage you guys (laughs) Don't know how to end this. Um, I just like writing is so much easier. You just stop writing.
0: <laughs> so yeah, that's
1: that's all I had. Okay. Um, so Lord, we just thank you for for you for not for even the things you do, for who you are. You love us. You're, you're God. You, um, you're you our Father. And you love us as your children. And just the way you loved Rahab and used her in her darkest place, in the dirty place, in the shame that we tried to hide and usually run from you, you pulled her out of that and and allowed her greatness and brought her up to the place she was supposed to be known as your daughter and that's what you have for all of us Lord I just pray that you um, touch everyone here tonight Lord that they can get a revelation in any area where they don't see you or feel that they can't get free from or that they're just not able to be used yet whether they're too young or they're stuck in addiction somewhere or just the circumstances of re- repeating, going around the mountain, Lord, but that you are the one that breaks us free from all those things. And that you never, its we're never done. We're never done. You're never stuck. It's never over. You're never, um, He's never given up on us. He's always waiting there with one more opportunity and one more opportunity to walk us into the freedom and to the other side of, uh, whether it just be a mind shift or healing in our body or freedom in any area, Lord, that you want more for us than we want for ourselves. And so I just pray that you would um, bring that revelation to each one of us here tonight, Lord, and throughout the week to help us see you differently, help us see ourselves differently, help us see those around us differently, that when we're supposed to speak and share um, life, that is what we do. Um And that we just run to you in every opportunity without abandon and take the big risks. Because there's freedom on the other side. We just thank you, Lord. I just ask that you bless everyone throughout this week. And we love you. Amen.